0: I can cut!
1: <laughs> that's what it's called, pantophobia. Not fear of pants, though, if that's what you're thinking. It's fear of everything.
2: Dogs, for example, look diverse. You have chihuahuas and mastodons, same animal, but look totally different. Chihuahuas and mastodons? <laughs> uh, Man, uh, uh, mastiffs. <laughs> Here we are, this is our wrap up audio here. We're at our hangout bar which is called Acre and it's in the Andersonville neighborhood of Chicago and uh, they have excellent oysters.
3: Everyone should come here and buy beer.
2: Yeah, they've been very nice to us too. We've been just eating oysters all night. But, we're just going to have a little chat about what it was like to do this podcast. What we might do in the future, maybe. And some of the experiences we had exploring our own fears and other people's fears. Which often took us to other places like I know it did for me
3: it was a strange it's a strange journey <laughs>
2: long strange journey I was surprised at the number of
0: connections between people's fears yeah you would think these things would be I don't know distinct islands unto themselves but there was a lot of common themes running through a lot of these things there were yeah let's talk about that specifically because that's important there was the, the, the uncanny valley sort of theme that yeah. came up in a lot of things like you know, people who are off for whatever reason, like clowns and masks, and I think even Log monsters groups. come into this category, uh, even if
2: it's not necessarily people, it could be animals that are, that are slightly off. Yeah, this feeling, this sense that this being is trying to deceive me.
3: And just in case anyone doesn't know what the Uncanny Valley is, it's that place where uh, a robot or an, an animated image, a computer-generated image of a person looks a lot like a person, but not enough like a person. So, like an example would be, um, you know...
0: Polar
2: Express, the movie The Polar Express is often cited as... Yeah, that horrifying. Right, so
3: it's just like, uh, if it looks less like a person and more like a cartoon, people are okay with it, but then there's a point where it looks a little too much like a person, uh, and people get very upset because they still know it's wrong.
2: That sense that there's something off, and you see this a lot with a lot of these robots, you search YouTube for lifelike robot and you'll see an amazing achievement but it will feel wrong and bad <laughs> and that's what a lot of these people seem to be describing with clowns and masks and that and was an interesting thing a theme to run into because we had no idea that say fear of masks and fear of clowns were that related I mean obviously they're actually related you know, mm. but and there's a fear of
0: ill health that kind of ran through a lot of the things, too. Like, uh, you were saying, like, tryptophobia. Yeah. Is kind of, falls into that. The, I think the...
3: Fear of parasites.
0: The, yeah. The urinating in public, I think, might fall into that yeah. category a little bit, too. Because it's a, a it seems like almost like a hygiene thing. A hygiene thing that you're, ash- like, supposed to be ashamed of. Because that that's how is, society is. No, no.
3: Is. I think it was also about, it was a social thing. It was about other people. Because he talked about the fear being, um, he talked about like a, a snowballing of the fear where it would start with just like, well, what if I can't, and then if I can't, what are these people going to oh, think about? Yeah. It? So, so it's
0: almost related doing? to a, a, a uh, fear online. of uh, public speaking.
3: Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> like well, yeah, like that,
0: that weird, that weird, yeah, that weird social fear the
2: that fear you have about, of
3: speaking out of your genitals. Well,
2: you know, doing. I have doing that something. fear <laughs> not, now that it's. Then now that idea has been expressed to me, I now have that fear. Yes. Well, doing something in public we in front of an audience of a sort, which is interesting because of all the all the things that came up, fear of speaking in public, which is super common. That no one ever, no one had that.
3: Well, I, we probably could have found somebody. I probably. I think we made an effort to find people who had slightly unusual yeah. fears for this season, which I really liked, and for a few reasons. One. When I see fears depicted in you know, in popular culture, those they're like TV shows where you'll see like, oh, this person is terrified of brooms or something. Right. Or like, I see a broom and I start crying. That's what you see. You see the person see the broom and start crying. Look, if you're afraid of brooms, first of all, call us. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly, please call us, yeah. Uh, or email us, whatever. whatever. Yeah, um, smoke signals. Yeah, get in touch. We Ooh. want to talk to you. But uh, what I don't like about that is All you're seeing is a person in their most vulnerable moment. So we talk to people when they're totally safe and fine, and they can talk to us like humans about their fears. They can say, like, oh, yeah, I totally understand that this is a weird thing to be afraid of, but that's just how I feel. Right. And I really liked that. I think that's one of the good things about getting people with unusual fears, is that you see these are just humans who are just also afraid of things, just like you're afraid of things.
0: Right. And I think anyone on that we've interviewed, anyone on, on this list, uh, as, as bizarre as someone might think that their fear happens to be, could look at someone else on this list and go, I'm I'm not alone. I have yeah, there's someone oh, else yeah. there's someone else here who also has something that would be considered bizarre and, and I'm not this strange outlier.
2: Mm-hmm. As of right now, the most popular episode based on the download counts is the tripophobia episode, Uh, which surprises me a little bit because that's something that's a fairly common thing to find on the internet. But it is 10 times more popular than any other episode. It's also the one where we didn't make people safe. There was no safety. We were like, oh, you're afraid of this? Here it is. I mean, we kind of did the same thing with Fisher and the popcorn, when we made him watch the video of the popcorn popping slowly. And
0: I had the drowning simulator. And you had the drowning simulator.
2: That was funny. This is true. All right, so so much. Safety is not guaranteed. (laughs) But but empathy, compassion, we'll try to do that.
3: (laughs) I think we do that. I think also...
2: I don't think we can help ourselves.
3: No, yeah. We all... We really feel for people. Yeah. That's just who we are. Um, I also think that one... One of the things that made me want to do this project in the first place, and that makes me really proud that we did it, is that I think that fear makes your world so small. When you're scared of something, that's all you see, that's all you think about. And you're just this tiny little thing, you're surrounded by what seems like a huge amount of fear. But, but when you're curious, the opposite thing happens and you see that your fear is just this tiny little insignificant thing and your brain is just this tiny insignificant thing and there's so much in the world And and it gets bigger when you're curious
1: about it
2: and that was one of the things that you brought out, Mark in the very first episode oh that was that was absolutely true for me I mean I almost missed out on this amazing experience being in the Galapagos Islands seeing what was in the ocean because I was afraid and and to be clear, I don't think we talked about this in the episode, but the things that are in the ocean in the Galapagos are swimming with penguins and sea lions. And I don't just mean in the water with them. I mean, you're swimming with them. They're doing corkscrews around you. They're coming up to you underwater and smiling at you. Oh, the local the local zoo and the aquarium
0: here in Chicago have a pet-a-stingray right, uh, yeah. exhibits in the summertime. I had a stingray pet me. <laughs> it got so close, it brushed my leg.
2: <laughs> so I, I this is something you were talking about earlier Aubrey is about fear is also an illusion yes which is it, which is true now think about this it, fear is real feeling fear is real I'm not trying to discount that but fear is predicting that something bad will happen in the future and nobody can do that, that that's an illusion
3: and you don't I mean you're doing it with no information right like to, to build on what you just said did you guys ever see the documentary that Stephen Fry made about having bipolar disorder?
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. He said
3: about about, um, mental illness specifically, but I think you can apply this to any sort of, like, depression, anxiety, anything like that, that it is real. It's like the weather. Yes. Like, the rain, you get wet. If it's thunderstorming, like, maybe it's a little bit dangerous. You might get struck by lightning. But it always passes. And it's, you know your emotions your fears are real in the same way it's very it feels very hard to be stuck in it in the middle of it but if you get through it like there's something else on the other side that's different and it'll be better
2: that's a very good point and you also get to decide what (laughs) normal is and by that i mean is a sunny day normal or is a rainy day normal which is the normal which is you the live in exceptional. Or Seattle. Well, <laughs> that's part of it, but if you're suffering from some sort of uh, cyclic condition, you get to decide that oh, I'm going through this. This isn't the important part. This is just this will come and it will go. It's not important. That's that's the nice thing about being human is that we're the only things on earth that can actually impart meaning to anything.
3: It doesn't matter yeah. in, the in the moment. No,
2: but knowing that it's just a moment, I think, does matter. I really think that you lose when you're in that moment. You lose the perspective that this isn't forever.
1: But after the, after being in that moment for six weeks, you don't know that you're actually ever going to go back to regular, normal. Not unless you
3: have, I think, unless you have other experience with it. Like, and I mean, I've experienced this with anxiety. If you're in the middle of anxiety. There's no talking me out of it. You can't convince me that I'm being insane. Like, I might, and there might be a little, like, a little area, like, somewhere in my frontal lobes that's like, "Mm, this might, you might be overreacting a little bit about this, but you can't convince my lizard brain. Lizard brain is sure that whatever it is is right, and it's, I'm doomed, and everything is gonna be terrible forever. But, but I agree,
1: having that little rational part of yeah. your
3: brain—that
1: mm-hmm. that is what keeps you going. Yes, that little, right. that mm-hmm. little quiet voice that's like, you
3: might be okay someday, maybe. That little raindrop of hope. Yes.
2: It's like I think of it too as like having a cold. Nobody who has a cold thinks they're going to have the cold forever.
3: Well, you—well, if you have it for long enough, you get one of those colds. Yeah. Like day three, yeah, yeah. you go, oh, maybe I'm just. This is my life now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I understand what you're saying. For like when I was. In that position, I had to use, like, like duty and obligation. Like, I have to do this, so I... That's what got me out of bed every day, because I'm like, well, I can't not go to work. I I can't not help my mom or do whatever... Right, what I would like is
3: to sit here all day with no pants on. But instead... I have to leave that apart, Yeah, I, even yeah. though I don't
0: want to. I, tr- I try to not let myself consider any sort of alternative, because this is what I've been doing
2: forever my whole life. So, And there's evidence to suggest that the fake it till you make it strategy is helpful. Um, in fact, one, one odd thing is that if you force yourself to smile, it actually releases the same chemicals mm-hmm. as smiling it's it it's kind of it makes of you happier over
3: time it
2: does yeah. I, it's it's effort it's not easy yeah but human fear is an
0: interesting thing because we're we are we are stuck with these animal brains in a in a much different world than yes. where our brains evolved so instead of I don't, know, I don't know if like cave people would have like experienced like existential dread like like modern human zoo because they had actual tigers or whatever right. to be scared of. There was, you know, <laughs> <laughs> there was imminent starvation. Oh, my my companion or friend or something might be mauled to death the next time we hunt a mastodon. You know, yep. like there were like like actual <laughs> life-threatening fears to worry about. So now we have these modern brains that are used to worry about like all of these yep. things and we have to like latch our fear onto onto, I don't know, drowning I don't live
2: anywhere near an ocean. Well, and there's, this has been brought up as a privilege. You, To be depressed, to, to suffer from a mental illness, has been pointed out as a privilege because... I know it's
1: because you
2: are not in that state. Anyway, all right, everyone's making noises. <laughs>
1: I'm not part of the podcast, so if I get cut out, I won't be happy. Um, but people have discounted the mental illness of people from war-torn areas um, because they don't—they feel like they're all having grief reactions or tragedy reactions. So they're ignoring things like schizophrenia and depression mm. and bipolar among people from war-torn areas. People who do have terrible things to worry about every day, their dad got blown up outside mm-hmm. their front door. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have real mental illness. It is a separate thing. Um, so you can be... Living day to day, struggling for your survival, and on top of that, have mental illness, yeah. and um, that is very poorly understood and very poorly treated.
3: I think, yeah, I think wh- what you're saying is right. In that, I I think people in in cave times, some of them did have mental illnesses, but they were never allowed to explore that because they had tigers off. So, like, they they did, there were people who were wired like me, who were just, just like, their nerves were just being sandpapered, as John Ronson once expertly said, uh, just from underneath their skin forever. Like, that's just what it felt like. And they couldn't, maybe, I think maybe the people who were experiencing it didn't realize that not everyone felt that way or they, they well, just didn't have a word to talk about it they just said like oh well this is just how it is like,
2: also you were dead by the time you were 40 so right well, yes but the, the big difference is it was real the generalized anxiety back then would have just been a heightened state of alertness they, well, yeah. right,
3: they would and, have said, like, and, well, you're just afraid of the tiger. It's like, no, it, it's more than how you feel about the tiger. And I don't know... Like, well, that's more... Mm. There's something else going on. And,
0: and we, I don't know if, if growing up under those conditions, would that... I don't know, would that change your, your brain's reaction to anything? Mm. Like, like, if you had...
3: Like, would if, you just become a Matrix person and just like, be able to awesomely well, deal with like,
0: everything? No, 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 no. But I mean, like, if you had... If you had... Actual inzi- and, like, like actual life-threatening things to worry about your entire life? Like, from the time that you're aware, would you would would generalize anxiety become less common, I wonder? I have no means of actually answering this I think question. people
3: would just not know to say it. They just wouldn't know that they had a different feeling from other people. Because well, the... they were like, well, we're all scared of the tiger. So the person who feels extra anxiety just goes... Oh, well, that's just... That's how the thing is, and maybe I'm not as good at dealing with it as everybody
2: else. Well, people aren't afraid of the tiger or tiger food. They're dead, well, yeah. I, yeah, I'm just I was wondering
0: about, like, because of, like, the, the, the bottom-up and top-down nature of, like, our, our brains is very weird. It's more just idle rambling and, and curiosity on my part, like, mm. how it would... How the the environment would change the structure of your
2: brain growing up versus oh, the other way yeah. around. I'm sure that that happens.
3: Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean... Maybe people would be more successful. Maybe that's why anxiety and fear has survived this long. It's because people who were the most afraid took the least risks and they were the most careful to have a plan B for when things went wrong. And that's why we still have this.
0: Well, as social creatures we would need more than one you would need more than one strategy. Because if everyone was super conservative, like everyone would still be living in the same valley that, you know, we started out in. Except for maybe the occasional person or group that was shoved
2: out due to conflict. And then you fight with them later. I think we live in one of the only times in human existence where it's possible to have all your needs met. I mean, I think the entirety of human history, except for the last 100 years, 200 years maybe, and then only for some people, (laughs) has been simply trying to survive. We don't think about surviving. We think about careers and relationships and am I going to have enough money to retire? These are not things we evolved to think about. So we, we are existing outside of our evolutionary heritage. And I think we're seeing clashes between what we've evolved to respond to and this new circumstance. And I think that explains some of these just the, the seemingly irrational fears
0: the, the new circumstances is nebulously defined at best yeah like i don't want to survive i don't want to feel fulfilled all right, right. Well, what does that mean uh, i don't know yeah, i'll know right. it when i see it well yeah that's a good point i, I, I know when you're not dead like <laughs> <laughs> we could probably hang a sign on that fairly easily personal fulfillment
3: don't you think there was somebody living in the caves who was way more scared of thunder than all the other cave people like yeah I feel like there must have been I don't think having phobias is new and I don't think that's a result of the time we I think that, could be right I think that somewhere living in the caves there was a person who just could not handle the thunder yeah. it happened and they they went they lost their mind and everyone else around them was like yeah we don't like the thunder but Jesus like settle down you're yeah, you know
2: that's one of the one of the um, advantages of humans in the evolutionary thing is how adaptable we are and that is a function of how diverse we are dogs for example look diverse you have chihuahuas and mastodons same animal but look totally different chihuahuas and mastodons uh, Man, uh, uh, mastiffs, <laughs> chihuahuas, and mastodons. <laughs> like, uh, I'm not a biologist, but. <laughs> they can reproduce. Uh, <laughs> With each other? <laughs> <laughs> That's a keeper. No, chihuahuas and mastiffs are the same animal, but their behavior is remarkably similar. I mean, yeah, different breeds, breeds have different treats, but. Com- Different breeds have different traits. Maybe you should slow down the yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but compared to human behavior, it's nothing. It's uh, they're all the same. They all act the same, and that's an evolutionary advantage because if somebody's afraid of the thunder and everyone else isn't, you've got different behaviors. Meaning that any threat, is only going to affect one of those behaviors. If thunder is a threat, it's going to affect the people who aren't afraid of it. If thunder isn't a threat, it's going to make the people who are afraid of it less likely to gather food or whatever. Um, also, our personal vulnerabilities kind of, like, provide bonding
0: opportunities between people. True. So, like, the person who was scared of thunder was probably much closer with, like, the one or two people in the group who were like, oh, it's all right, buddy. Mm-hmm. You'll be fine. I'm terrified of Swamps or something. I don't know. And they're,
2: they're hiding in the cave during the thunder, and other people are outside, like, eh, thunder. Oh, look, there's a mastodon. They go kill the mastodon, they have more food. Or, zap, they get hit by the lightning. Or I'll stand under this tall tree. Right? Yeah. We're still getting killed by tall trees falling over in storms. That happened last, like, two days ago. Well, the people, you yeah, know, electrocuted under I mean, here. Yeah. So, um,. So I, I think the bottom line is, is that we, we're pioneers in a way. We're, I mean, we're, all, we're this weird being that doesn't match any other being that has ever existed that we know of. We have all these tools in our toolkit, many of which are automated that we don't have control over, and sometimes they activate themselves. Your toolbox starts buzzing because the drill's going off and you don't know how to shut it off. Uh, that's kind of. I like what thinking it?
3: about fear like a rogue power
2: tool. <laughs> fear is a rogue power tool. Yeah, you like you're
3: hitting it with a bat. Like turn it <laughs> off. I can't. What?
2: That's what it's like. That trypophobia, my thing. That is what it's like. It's like there's no reason or rationale behind this at all. I saw a picture and now I'm devastated and can't do anything.
3: It's just like drilling holes in the wall. And you're like get it yeah. out of here.
2: Get it. Notice it's, you said drilling holes in the wall. It's the yes. pain. The
3: pain is. Get it. Get the bat!
0: Why did I put a bunch of holes in my wall? This was not a smart strategy.
2: So why do we separate these things from, like, um, rational fears? Like a barking dog running towards you. Ooh. Well, a big barking dog running towards oh, you. Ahead. Well, yeah, the chihuahuas again. They're yeah. more likely to bite you, but... You, know, you can kick them. I mean, <laughs> is there a real separation? I mean... The, there is a separation. We treat them differently, but is there a difference between the dog barking or there might be a fish on the ground around the corner and I might step on it? Well
3: statistically there's a difference. There's well, a big difference. Yeah. So statistically a dog running <laughs> towards you and barking. Unless you shop admire more likely No, but more likely to harm you physically.
0: Yeah, there's an
2: immediate obvious threat to to life and health. Yeah, the, the, the the, I know of no known threat from stepping on a fish other than or possibly slipping
3: holes in the wall. For instance, well, yeah, and you it, can't, there's, that's not going to harm you physically. It's not going to end your life. Whereas if it, the dog is running towards you barking, maybe it has rabies. Could. Maybe you die.
2: Can we trace all these fears back to a false trigger of something that could possibly harm us? Drowning. No, that one's just real.
3: Yeah, that's pretty good. Like, (laughs) of all the fears we covered this season.
2: That one's real. That drowning
3: is up at the top of, like, oh, this is actually dangerous. So you should feel good about that.
2: Oh, phew. Uh, Randy, (laughs) sleeping on the first floor. Uh, It's a coping mechanism. Well, I I agree. I think that was a coping mechanism. But what he was afraid of, being watched while he's falling asleep, there's no real threat in that.
3: Not, well... I not would, directly. If you'd have to go a few more steps out if, before. If I had
0: a person in the same room as me, if if Jeff, you were sitting in my mm-hmm. bedroom on a chair, staring at me yeah. while I was trying to fall asleep. That would be I would, Yeah, I would not. I would probably have fall a yeah. hard time falling asleep in that situation. But if there
2: was no <laughs> indication that there was anyone there who could see you.
0: No. Yeah. If you were a tel- had like a
2: telephoto lens from like a half a block. Even light, if the yeah, blinds. Yeah. Or even if you're in a room with no windows. Yeah you know that, in a box or, yeah so I, I feel like the mechanism is well understood what's happening the process of fear is the same the thing that's different is the trigger and we live in a world where sometimes the triggers don't make any sense and we're not really sure why
3: I think maybe <laughs> good <and> luck everybody <laughs> this is well this is I mean, this is colored by my own experience but I think that fear is universal everyone feels fear but but you, it's almost like some people think about fear as like, oh, well, I see this thing and then I feel fear. But I think that everyone just feels fear. And then they try to attach, like, well, why do I feel like this? This is awful. Mm. Oh, it must be because that thing is here. And then whatever that thing is becomes, they, they put their fear on it to try to contain it. To try mm. to, to make it, to control it. To say, like, I'm scared of this. It's not that I'm just scared because I'm a person. Mm-hmm. It's, it's because of
1: this one thing. It's this <laughs>
0: external thing that's making me afraid. Right. It has nothing to do with my own brain.
1: Yeah. It's the flip side of a superstition. Hmm. What do you mean? Um, people have something good happen to them. Oh, and they right. have some lucky yes. talisman or something good. Ha- you know, some socks or whatever. And then they get really attached to that. And, and it doesn't make any sense. And it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Not
2: Here's an involved form of the jinx. I, but, but, back back to what you were saying, though, about um, which comes first, the thought or the feeling. Uh-huh. So, during my studies, for the master's degree I never finished, this came up a lot. Because my experience of the world is that the feeling comes first, and yes. then I try yes. to figure it out. I agree. Because it's at the deeper part of your brain. But, right? I have yeah. changed that position based not only on the research, but actually looking back. I think the thought has to come first, and then the feeling. Although the thought can be subconscious or preconscious, but there's got to be a trigger, unless there's a chemical issue going on, which I can't even address. If you suddenly feel uneasy, at some point your brain recognized that there was something to feel uneasy about, mm-hmm. always... and you may not be—you might not be able to access that memory.
0: I... I always kind of... I have nothing to back this up. My my, my gut was always that that was a...
2: The thought was a post-hoc rationalization for the feeling. Well, and that that happens... That does happen. If you just feel this way, why do I feel this way? Oh, it must be this. Yeah. Except that you might be wrong. Yeah. Yeah, of course. There might be a low-frequency oscillation that you are unaware of, but it's making you feel uneasy. And so you feel uneasy, and then you notice there's a cat hiding under the bed, and you're like, "Oh, it was the cat."
1: Right. They had the feeling before the thought.
2: Yes, but the feeling was triggered by a thought that they didn't fully realize. The little freak- would be... It wasn't
1: triggered by the trigger. It was, I mean, like you know, like the thing they later associated it with.
2: <laughs> In this case, I would say that the low frequency oscillation was a thought. Your brain recognized the low frequency oscillation. I,
1: I, would, yeah, I would
0: describe it more as a feeling because it's not, it's not some sort of conscious process you're putting it's together. It's not a conscious process. It's,
2: it's, it's, it changes your emotional state. Let's see if I can put but this But it's like some different.
3: fast crunching of information. It's like there was an episode of Radio Lab about this years ago where the example they gave was if you walk into a room and you find your best friend has been murdered in front of you, uh, there's actually a part of... There's some sort of, like, visual circuit of your brain that processes that information before you yeah. can consciously process it. Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Well, like, right. So Like, it, it, your brain, it's not that it's just a feeling. It's like there's just... There's something directly yes. responsible for it. And you can figure it out later. But the initial feeling did come from an actual... Yes. Like you see, that's that your
2: what I'm is saying. Dead. Okay, yes. Yes. well, I mean, not only that, no, it, well, keeping with that, you go into the room and your friend is dead on the floor, there's a pool of blood in the carpet. Years later, you go into a room and it has that same carpet, mm-hmm. and you instantly feel uneasy, but you can't yes. easily attach the carpet to your friend's death to the feeling.
3: Oh, well, everyone has had this experience with music, right? Right, you or hear smells. a song, yeah, or smells, especially right. Right. smells. You hear a song, and the first few bars of it, and you feel terrible, yep. and you're like, What is this? Why do I feel so you know, I was, bad? And yeah. then you remember the first time you heard the song and whatever, how you felt this time it's the,
0: right. Also, the first time you got dumped or something. Right, oh, right, well, yeah. Or was you a just movie found out or. somebody
3: died and then you heard that song. I mean, that, or tequila. Tequila is another option. It could have know, been tequila.
2: That's, so, that's absolutely a German true. Movie. Really, really. I listen to a lot of soundtracks, and, and so I will buy soundtracks for movies I haven't seen. So, when I buy soundtrack music for movies I haven't seen, I, I create my own imagery and stuff that goes with it. But then, if I actually see the movie, this is wrong, it changes it. And it's, well, it, it feels wrong, but it also it changes it. And later on, I'm stuck in that mode that this music is sad. Um, oh, thank you. Oh, I appreciate that. But it may not have actually been. So, and, and, and where I'm going with that is, years later if I hear that music I might forget which movie it's associated with but I will remember the emotion yes. the music's associated with yeah. even if it's not I mean obviously there's a difference between sad music and happy music but you can play happy music at sad times yes. I will remember the sadness even if I can't remember yeah. the scene it, the emotion emotion is the strongest memory it's, I guess that's what I'm trying to say you can forget everything else all the other facts but you'll remember the emotion of yeah. an event and I think that could be related to some of these phobias because you're forgetting all the facts related to the phobia. Like the stepping on fish thing. What are the facts behind that? Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, you don't know. She doesn't know. <laughs> but no, the I'm, feeling's there.
1: I'm just, my, my, bee lost fear. Oh, right. I don't remember anything about... Which
2: we will do in episode two. If we in, do in a series, it, or two. Or series two, yeah.
1: But uh, that's my own special phobia, and um, it's a very common phobia, but... It's also
2: relatively rational.
1: <laughs> it's also sort of rational. Um, but it has nothing to do with the instigating moment. It has to do with the concept of these.
2: Right. And... and, and It's possible that it relates to something real and there's an association that is absolutely concrete. But you don't have access to it. You might be able to figure it out. Or you might think you figured it out and it's totally wrong. And that's, that's the job of talk therapy and psychotherapy is to try to... Well, actually the job is to try to assuage the fear any way you can, even if it's with coming up with a false explanation. But the processes in many types of therapy is to come up with an explanation.
3: Well, yeah, because once you have an explanation, then you have some control over it. That's you have the a idea. Story, you know, <laughs> you can Real
2: or imagined?
1: Yeah.
2: And well, with fear of bees, bees do sting. So, but there's fear of bees like oh, there's a bee on my arm, it's going to sting me. And there's also, I think there's a bee within six square miles of me. <laughs> <laughs> They're different. I um probably not being a flower garden. Well, yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> anyway clearly we have more to talk about so we will see if we're going to do another season or if we just release an episode now and then or whatever but you dear listener you have influence over us if you tell us what you want more than likely you will get it it's that simple.
3: Oh and tell us which of the episodes you liked, which of the formats you liked. We've done a lot of different yeah. stuff. We've done just straight interviews with people. we've done more more complicated in-depth sort of episodes. Um, you know we did that one that was a sort of artful narrative about bridges with yep. swearing in it which I liked um, <laughs> the swearing was
2: appropriate it's, uh, we did so the longer pieces like the drowning one that has right. a lot of backstory and sound yeah. effects and then other ones that, like Poison Oak that was just someone telling the story basically
3: yeah what do you guys like tell us please uh, we want to give you what you want because you're yeah. the listener
2: yeah we want feedback yeah. yeah no we're afraid of not getting feedback we
3: are terrified that you won't like us <laughs> please like us please like <laughs> us <laughs>
2: At any rate, thank you very, very much for listening, and you can always reach us at collegeofcuriosity.com. Our names are our email addresses. I'm Jeff, Aubrey, and Mark. Thank you. Hey there, Jeff again. I'd just like to let you know that we have a special trip planned for the first weekend of August 2016. We'll be taking over a dark sky site high in the Colorado Rockies for some exploration and astronomy. During the day, we'll visit some local sites, such as Wolf Mountain, where we may have a close encounter with actual wolves, and Bishop's Castle, one man's hand-built fortress in the sky. Then we'll gather for a meal and talks about how ancient Americans viewed the stars and some instructions on how to best use the array of telescopes we'll have set up. If the weather cooperates, and it's likely to, we should be able to see such things as Pluto, nebulas, galaxies, and the amazing glow of our galactic disk, known as the Milky Way. Space is unlimited, but we only have room for so many. Full details are available at collegeofcuriosity.com. We hope you can join us.